please follow the throne room with Beth Tarasi for more information about our podcast. Let's get started. Thank you for joining me. In order to contact me, go to www.denverqueen.com for all your one-stop contact information. And to learn more about the podcast, please go to anchor.fm slash denverqueen. morning folks it's 5 a.m. in the morning and I am stuck in my bathroom because my partner's being a weirdo and so am I (laughs) I've got some great changes to announce to the throne room with Beth Rossi one a Twitter account I had this old Twitter account lying around and it unfortunately was not being used So I decided, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna breathe life into that new Twitter, into that old Twitter account that I had. I created it in, you're not gonna believe this, March of 2016. It was some weird idea that Trenton and I had, but it was only an idea. I wanted to make this even broader. So for those of you following at Heart Blood Pro, I officially, um, I commandeered that Twitter account for at Throne Room DQ. It's gonna kind of pronounce it funny if you're a screen reader user, but it is spelled at T-H-R-O-N-E-R-O-O-M-D-Q. And it's because, well, hell, that's what it is. <laughs> and it's at Throne Room DQ on Twitter and you're not going to believe this. Instagram. I finally have an Instagram account with that same name. And it is connected to the Throne Room Facebook page. I will also be trying to do some Hootsuite stuff. So if any of you knows anything about Hootsuite, I need tips and tricks. And maybe some good visual food porn ideas. I actually did take some food porn ideas and I put them onto my Instagram and my Facebook and da 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 da. My personal Instagram will have tons of these food pictures, but what I am going to do with my Instagram and Facebook for the throne room is we're going to have a lot of social justice minded people that I'm going to try to follow. Um, if you want, to see more good things. If you want me to post more on those pages, I want you to give at Throne Room DQ on Twitter and Facebook a follow. We tried Throne Room Pod, Throne Room Podcast. The Throne Room was actually taken up by some guy on a toilet. Or could he be descended from Edith Crapper? She actually drew a picture of a toilet and that reminds me. I have a factoid I want to share with you. I'm sitting on top of a flush toilet. Now I know that might sound weird, 
But let me tell you something about the flush toilet. The fact is that the flush toilet was not invented officially for Englanders. I mean, before there were flush toilets, there was something called the groom of the bowl. And that person had to clean out all the shit, mind you, that a person, you know, expelled. (laughs) And the groom of the bowl was a nasty ass job. So there was this guy, John Harrington. He invented some of what would become the flush toilet in the West, okay? Before toilets were in people's homes, you know, the Romans were interesting in that they had a sewer system in the city, okay? But they also had public lavatories. And then people started getting weird about public lavatories and they were like, what the hell? So, in England, at the, in the Dark Ages, before Elizabethan times, nobody really had a flush toilet. But then they had chamber pots. And there was this little phrase that people threw the chamber pot, and you obviously got soaked with the shit inside the chamber pot. It was, okay, <laughs> the houses in London would stink like shit. I'm not even kidding. And the, um... For those of you British folks who are listening, please beware. I'm about to say this darn phrase. And it... <laughs> two of them, actually. One was fog. How these houses stink. And it's basically this phrase in which, oh God, the houses do stink as hell. And then the other phrase is, gardy which basically means, watch out. It's a, from a French phrase, garder low. Damn it, I can't pronounce it. Sorry, it's French. But it, it was it came from a French phrase that meant watch out for water. So whenever you heard the words the words guardy loo, no wonder they call the toilet the loo. So I'm just sitting on my loo right now. The John, as we call it in the United States, the crapper in some other places. I don't know what they call it everywhere, but I do know that I don't usually call it the John. I usually call it the toilet. In Australia, they call it the dunny. Some people like to graciously call it the throne. I do not have a bidet on this little tiny little toilet. It's not allowed here in this apartment complex, sadly. I'm, well, I mean, honestly, I want me a squatty potty and a damn bidet. I really want a bidet. I want a bidet. I really do. But there is a way you can make your American toilet into an actual bidet. I won't go there for too long. But anyway... So, Edith Crapper was an artist, and she drew one of the more later American flush toilets. So, John Harrington was Queen Elizabeth I's, uh, Elizabeth Tudor, I'll just say Queen Elizabeth Tudor's groom of the bowl. So he had a really nasty job. He's like, how are we gonna get rid of all this nasty shit in the castle? So he invents this flush toilet thing, right? Now, The modern flush toilet was actually invented, I think, sometime in the 1800s by this Thomas Crapper. I forget who it is. Someone named Crapper. Isn't that sad? (laughs) Um, yes. And the way the, the valve structure in the early Elizabethan toilets, you wouldn't have liked it very much. And, of course, the French and other countries like to do bidets because 
And then there was that sale popularity of B-Days, even here in the, in the United States, because people were like, why the hell am I going to get the damn toilet paper? Toilet paper. Oh, God. <laughs> Who invented that? <laughs> anyway, um, that is my tribute to the throne and its trusty companion. Not his trusty companion. It's its trusty companion. I don't think toilets have a gender. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, toilets are, well, they're a thing. <laughs> a trusty companion to our porcelain friend and the trusty sidekick, Mr. Sewerpipe. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love the factoids behind toilets because if it weren't for the Dunny, the Lou, the John, whatever the hell you call this bowl, you would be inclined to have to be a water carrier and carry the freaking chamber pot outside the stupid house and yell out Garvey Lou and everybody would get caught up in the shit storm. <laughs> That's how it was. And that was before London got real cleaned up and, well, Elizabeth Windsor, by the way, some news on her. She cancels a trip to Northern Ireland as I speak. She needs to rest. That lady is old. I love that queen though, man, she's badass. And if she dies, I'm not sure I like her heir to the throne. Charles is a little weird. I won't go into him. Um, but anyway, um, I'm sitting here on my throne, and I hope that Melissa, one of my dear friends from California, she has her own podcast. I'm going to have a nice talk with her about everything. And I kind of want to ask her about her creations. And I want to ask her about... How's everything doing? It's going to be kind of a laid-back conversation. She's not a super huge, high-profile celebrity. But it'll be really amazing to hear from her, live, from this little tiny box. <laughs> I'm done here. And yes, I'm pretty much want you guys to give a throne room dq on twitter and instagram a follow you can also like me on facebook facebook.com slash throne room podcast if you want all this information it will be on podcast.denverqueen.com please share the episodes that i post up there i'm going to have to copy links from anchor because Anchor is being a brat on the app. And I need to talk to these people. I need to get my freaking audience to play my freaking podcast. And I hope that you found my toilet facts very amusing. I don't think I ever really told anyone about this. I learned a lot about toilets and things from an old Muse magazine. And it's really funny. Oh my god. Muse magazine is... Mostly geared toward young people, but I also want you guys to, I want you to hear something else. In the UK, I know there's been a problem with kids and adults throwing shit 
and stuff down the toilet. The only thing that needs to be in your bowl is, well, shit. <laughs> okay? Don't throw your cell phone down the toilet. Don't throw this recorder that I'm holding in my hand down the toilet. Do not throw things down the toilet. That's your public service announcement for the day. If something doesn't work, just do the right thing. Don't throw it down the toilet. And take it somewhere to be repaired. Um, because when stuff gets flushed, it goes through a water treatment process. And the water treatment process is weird, okay? But it doesn't necessarily lead to the quote-unquote ocean, okay? It doesn't... It's really not a good idea to put your dead goldfish in the toilet either. Ah, bury the poor little guy in the ocean. For real. Okay? I mean, and I wouldn't even recommend getting a pet goldfish unless you really want a damn aquarium disaster. Please. Like in Finding Nemo. <laughs> oh, Lord. I love fish and animals and other such things. Don't get an alligator in a freshwater aquarium. You'll scare the living crap out of every single person you meet. And of course, the alligator will try to eat your dog. You don't want that. No. <laughs> Alligators are cool creatures. They're really neat animals, but they're also aggressive and they can bite. I have a healthy respect for gators. I really do. And I love animals. We'll talk more about that in different podcast episodes, but I want to take some more pictures. And I want you guys to kind of like the pictures that I put up on Instagram and, you know, Twitter. We'll also feature some textual posts, links and articles of interest in the next... I'm going to put articles up there so that I can share with you what the hell is going on. And I may rebuff some of the article points. I may agree with some of the article points. But I think I'm going to follow... Um, I'm going to try not to discuss the current news, but I'm going to try to discuss history. I might try to do some informative crap on social justice matters. I'm going to stick to disability and intersectional social justice matters, but I am not going to try anywhere to cover the news unless the news covers everything. I mean, if it takes over the world, like if Queen Elizabeth does croak, and I hate to say that about her, but you know, I love Queen Elizabeth to death. But, you know, if she goes, okay, time for me to go home. And, you know, if she has a home going, as some Christians may call her, uh, heavenward ascent. You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, dying is not a fun subject for me to discuss, but I will talk about the Queen's legacy, what she has done, who she's gone to... And, of course, there will be that Netflix show called The Crown. And I would advise all of you to watch that show. It's amazing. It's gotten lots of awards. It, I think they're going to do a fifth season of The Crown. But I honestly hope that her grandchild, William, Prince William... Oh, he's an amazing guy. I, I think that... I know how much Harry loves Meghan, and I honestly don't like the... Harry did the right thing to protect his wife 
I know some of you might not agree with me on this, but look, if I married the prince myself, he'd have to protect me from the abuse by members of the disabled community. And that is something I'm going to discuss briefly here on the podcast. The internet abuse has got to stop. And I'm just going to tell you guys, one of my abusers has had karma in up his ass. I was informed by a little birdie, I'm not going to name who it was, to protect everyone here. But this little birdie perched on my shoulder and said, Hey, Beth, this guy that had been attacking you is now under attack himself. He's got legal crap. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the fact is there are a lot more of Michael Osman than we expected in the blind community. And... I also want to talk to victims of sexual abuse within the blind community who have suffered sexual abuse within the blind community. I'm going to put this on my personal page as well. So if anyone is interested in talking to me and you want to come forward and share your story with my listeners, I will be very glad to publish an interview with you. But I want people to understand that some of these people who are blind are not your friends. Not every blind person is friendly. I had to learn that the hard way. And blind people, they may be a lot like you, but they have the same flaws and some more magnified than others. A recent sex offense case in Texas proves it. Um... You might know this guy was, um, he's, it's, I'm not even, I won't even speak his name anymore, but, you know, he apparently got into some legal trouble because he, this guy, touched a kid. I have a message for all you blind men. No touching kids, okay? Don't touch anybody under 18. 18 is the minimum age for marriage. No arrangements will be made for a daughter of mine to be married off to an old, nasty pervert. And that is exactly what happens in so many places around the world, including the United States. There are teenagers who get prego by 20-year-old dudes, and these teens end up the victims of a domestic servitude, rape every day lay down and have sex with the dude, which doesn't feel very satisfying at all. And I have two examples of why child marriage should be banned in all 50 states. I'll talk about that in a later segment, but um, child marriage in Florida, awful. Not surprising at all. There was a lady named Sherry Johnson. This is her actual name, okay? She wrote a great novel which talked about her ordeal, but she wanted to fictionalize the character names a little bit. I understand why. Sherry Johnson was raped by a church pastor at nine, forced to marry him the next year, and had all these kids. 
She had some kids by him, hated him, threw him out, had to marry another guy, had some more kids by this guy. She had seven total kids and she was a victim. She had no protection. The guy had, the mother just didn't want DCF coming to the house or she didn't want the good bishop charged with rape. So she married her daughter to him. Let me tell you, that's dangerous. I will never let my daughter marry a rapist. If a rapist asks me to let my daughter marry him, I will say, you know what? Fuck you. You're not gonna marry my daughter. You are gonna pay alimony or child support. You're gonna pay child support. And if you don't pay child support, you go to jail. In fact, since you offended against, let's say my daughter was about like 14. I'm gonna say, since my daughter is 14, you're paying for her abortion. I don't want her to have the rapist's kid if she doesn't want to. But we will talk about that kind of stuff when the kid is born and teened, you know? And that's the subject that all parents should be discussing with their teenage daughters. You need to say to your daughter, I will never force you to marry a rapist. I will never force you to marry under the age of 18. You need to say that to your daughters right now. Just go to your daughter and say, daughter, I will not let you get married until you turn 18. And I will not let you have sex with any adult at all until you turn 18 and become an adult. Sex and marriage should be things preserved for adults. Teens should learn about sex and have questions about sex. They could ask things about what's good and bad, appropriate touch, all that kind of thing. But what I really want you to do is tell your daughter, I will never marry you off for any reason. No arrangements will be made for your marriage. You will be 18, no exceptions. So even if my kid came in with a damn teenage boyfriend, 17 to 19, I would not object to them dating and going out and hanging out with each other. But I would have to be strict. I would have to say, no sexing around with my daughter. Do not hurt her. If, you, if I find out that you did, or if someone else did and you did nothing, you're out. Because it would be my precious blood. I would have given this baby my blood, sweat, and tears. And I hope that you understand, if you're the mother of the child that that blind dude that I know molested, I hope you are proud of yourself for doing the right thing because you did the right thing and I wanna congratulate your child. I wonder if this child had symptoms and the mother found out and she was like, are you okay, did somebody, I mean, every mother should be doing this right now to their kid. A three-year-old should never be sold in marriage. Hello, Afghanistan. And the other thing, the other thing, no child should ever be sold to pay debts. I saw a Wall Street Journal article about that, and if anyone in the United States attempted to sell their kid on eBay, they'd be charged with fucking human trafficking, okay? Or, of course, selling a slave or whatever. It doesn't matter. Do not sell your child. 
And another thing, if you really want your child to get an education, Miss Saleha, I know you might not be able to hear this podcast because the Taliban don't like it. I don't care. But if you want your daughter to have more opportunities, I want someone in America to give the message to Saleha that her daughter should be adopted by an American family and they'll be glad to pay an adoption fee to Saleha so she can have the daughter in a loving family situation where she doesn't have to work or marry a son or breed. If she doesn't want to get married, that's her choice. And she should be given in adoption, not marriage, to a family that cares. I understand that Afghanistan is slipping into poverty. I'm sorry. We need to get, we will have to eventually, you know, the UN folks are eventually going to have to stop helping Afghanistan because the Taliban really messed it up. And I'll talk about that in a later episode. I kind of wish I could talk to Malala Yousafzai. My God, that girl is amazing. And I really love her for very, very much. I get emails from the Malala Fund, and I will try to follow the Malala Fund on Instagram. If I can find some pictures that Malala might take, I want to share those pictures to you, maybe on Facebook. If I can find a way to connect with Malala herself, because girls and women in Afghanistan are very important to me too, but even more so, when you add disability to the picture, there is no way in hell that the Taliban will ever allow a girl or even a boy who is blind to be educated. So when a girl is educated, she will have to know how to speak Pashto or Dari, which are both the local languages in Afghanistan. And, you know, that's going to be tough to... I don't know if Pashto or Dari are um, voiced by screen reading software. So it would be best if the girls learned Arabic. Because that language, at least, is available on Mac VoiceOver and JAWS. And... Because, like, when when I did a demo of the Translate software... And I want to apologize for basically not, you know, arranging the thingies properly. I really am. I'm sorry as hell that I did not arrange or edit the podcast last episode properly. I I deeply apologize. Anchor sucks. It's not good for editing podcasts. I'm going to have to do the exact thing that I want to do on Anchor on Backpack Studio. I also want to thank the folks at Backpack for allowing me a great platform to get on and make some great content. And as a content creator, I want to inform all of you that I do not support hateful material and stuff. I am not Islamophobic. However, there are some things that I, I, you know, Islam does encourage female education. Female rights is a different story, but Malala is not compromising Islam to education or education to Islam. She, I don't know, Ziauddin, her daddy, is such an amazing guy. (sighs) 
And I heard Malala, some of Malala's lectures. She has a great voice. She has a really great voice and a great story to tell. Um, I've read her book, so I won't have her bore you to death. If I did interview her, I wouldn't want her to bore you guys to death with all this stuff about how she got shot by the Taliban or the gory details of what happened because she already wrote that in her book. What I want to know is the recent stuff that she's doing. And I want to talk to her about things I see on Instagram. We can kind of get to know each other as we go. But, you know, I would love to talk and partner with Malala Fund, the Malala Foundation. And I also encourage all of you who are listening to donate to any charities you find that align with the social justice belief that girls can be educated. Thank you so much for listening to The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi, and please enjoy the show. Um, please follow at Throne Room DQ on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same username on both. Like me on Facebook. You can also email me at denverqueen at gmx.com. It is also for my blog. I'm going to be posting some new things on my blog very soon. But, you know, I really need you guys to listen to the podcast and put what you are talking about in the subject line. So, for instance, if you email me about the blog, Denver Queen's weblog is its name. Use that in the subject line. I've been getting weird little spammy looking things and phishing attempts in the GMX folder. Um, the GMX mail. I actually would like to also ask if you don't like GMX. My Instagram is, oddly enough, it's connected to my eatarasi at gmail.com. That is a business email. You can use that. I don't want... I don't feel like making another Gmail. I've made way too many freaking Gmails. I had a Gmail for my... Um... God. Uh, Gmail for my failed attempt at becoming a Star Trek novelist. Jesus Christ. I'm never going to use that fucking email address again. And I had an email called Beth's Lists. But that's before... That's before I even got banned from the NFB NABs list, and I went and unsubscribed from every one of the NFBnet.org lists, and I'm glad I did, because then I saw the, the sexual abuse and the sexual misconduct of fucking NFB kind of came out. There was a lot of upper and lower positions that had contained men with sexual histories of misconduct. And... Anyway, enjoy the show, people. This is your time to shine. You know that Google is a big giant clusterfuck and that searching for a very elusive goddamn song is useless okay use yahoo uh 
I'm not a crazy Yahoo. I am no crazy Yahoo. I hate Yahoo, and there's a reason I hate it. Ads, Verizon, and oh, please. Well, they're not Verizon anymore, but it's like fucking Yahoo. Seriously, I don't like, I do not like Yahoo service. taken it in school. If you, well, we know that El Nino and La Nina are also used to describe weird weather patterns, but that's not the case. In Spanish, it's about children. And dormir is a verb that means to sleep. Haha, ha, I do remember some words and they do come to mind. But my Spanish skills, my ability to kind of like understand and get immersed in the language has gone to shits. Ever since I left high school, I'm sorry. Oh God, I apologize to my Spanish-speaking friends. And that's kind of weird, okay? So there's a language lesson for you guys. Well, anyway, so this weird little lullaby, I found the lyrics to Mama Lisa's, some, some weird website that I logged onto. And it, it had an advertisement, whatever. Okay, I skipped it. But the, 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 the English translation of these lullabies is either Something about jasmine and roses on the bed of a sun. The little boy being, you know, mi niño, my son. In this case, it translates to my son or my child. However you look at it. But anyway. In a lot of Spanish lullabies, and a lot of lullabies around the world in general, they always have a warning for the little kiddos. They're always like, oh God. Really haunted, okay? These lullabies literally say, in one way or another, no matter what language it is, it's better sleep, baby, or the boogeyman will come take you away. And it's like, seriously, why are you doing that to your children? 
The song I'm looking for said something like, where, something about, um, something about shoes that don't fit, but leave them for the barefoot angels that need them or something. And the chorus goes, Sleep now, my baby. Sleep now, my baby. Sleep now, my baby. And it goes with Aru, Aru. It's really a cute song. It's, it, we sang this in chorus along with, there was another one we did that had Swahili language lyrics in there called Amane Utupe That means grant us peace, give us courage. Amane. I think that means peace in Swahili. Fuck, I didn't speak that language either. Damn it! Deck Ahmed, where the hell are you when I need you? Fuck. I need a good language guy who can speak damn good Swahili, and I can't fucking find him anywhere. Jesus. Why? <laughs> oh well. Okay. Well, I mean, Deck went to school in Kenya, so he could Swahili, Somali, and English. He was awesome, okay? I liked his linguistic skills, and I thought they were very valuable. I still think they are, but Death ended up becoming a translator over the Somali fucking airwaves, however the hell he did that. <laughs> and I, I don't speak Swahili much or even the Somali doesn't even count as a quote unquote language according to I'm not even sure if Somalis would say this but their language is a dialect because it varies from the clans like if you see you go from the Daran and then you try to get a Daran in touch with a damn like what what's the Somali Bantu I don't like the word sob I don't it just sounds weird but the Somali Bantu folks they have their own dialect and the language well i mean there is a united somali language but there's no one correct way to say something in somali it's weird and a lot of these african tribal languages are not spoken outside of the african tribal lands or outside of african tribal families it's weird like I remember this one time we were reading about New Netherland, which later became known as the state of New York. If you walked down the streets of New Amsterdam, which became New York, New York, and I think it's almost like that today, but you know, if you walk down the streets of New York, even, even after it was New York, because the British stole it from the Dutch without even a shot. You hear all these fucking languages and dialects. It's so pretty. Oh my God. Like, but it can be a bit of a language barrier. Like if I walk up to just any random person and I ask, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, blah, 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 blah. And they're just talking French at me. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, there are people, they have their groups and everything and that's fine. But you know, I guess what I need to do is, in a place like Manhattan, if I'm going in through Central Park, I need to be freaking careful who I talk to. But anyway, back to this whole thing about lullabies. Please do not sing Dorme de Nino. I'm trying to remember which. Dorme de Nino. 
to your kid because it involves the damn boogeyman. And please, if your kid don't like flowers, I'm sorry, but I'm not giving my son more of a graceful bed. It, the lullabies sound weird, haunting, and please, I'm not laying my kid in a bed of flowers yet. That's death. We're talking a living kid. Can we talk about angels and positive crap in their lullabies? Please don't let me warn the kids that the boogeyman is coming. I could invent my own goddamn lullabies. And please, <laughs> ask me for any other damn word other than sleep unless you, you cry, the boogeyman will steal you from me. It, please. Even this whole boogeyman thing. I mean, if the kids think the boogeyman is under the bed, the bog, the bogart from Harry Potter. There's a lot of different iterations of the boogeyman, but please, I don't think the boogeyman will ever come under my kid's bed. And if he does, I'll scare the shithead away from my kid because I am not going to let my child or any child in my care spew out nothing but cries, tears, nightmares. And so on. And I will sing my kid to sleep. Yes, I'm, I'm Scout's honor, but I'm not going to sing to them about the damn boogeyman. But, you know, I'll spray for monsters. One kid actually, there was a parent who actually would spray vanilla and lavender perfume in this kid's bedroom. <sighs> he calms right down and he goes into the bed and sleeps. Do you know what that kid said to his mom? Oh, Later on, he would always say, don't forget to spray for monsters. We don't want monsters under the bed. And I think that kids have nightmares, not because it's the kid's imagination, but nightmares and night terrors are often caused by traumatic events in the kid's life and or maybe a brain disorder. So you do have to take a look at that and make sure the kid's fine. Then, if you're really suspicious that something weird happened to your kid, do put, uh, what the hell do they call them? Kid cam? I want to do this actually because I want to make sure that my kid is fine. I'm going to put a kid cam in their room. That way when a nurse or caregiver is in the room, like if I need to have the kid nursed at night, there's footage. And people will see that I can indeed nurse a kid. I want to learn how. I'll practice with a baby doll, maybe, you know, thinking about it, but I'm, I'm just going to practice sorta, sorta, sorta guiding a baby's head to the boob because I don't want to give my baby a bottle. I really want to give them the best. And they say breast is the best, but you know, it's when if baby needs to calm down, I'm going to sing my baby to sleep. I am going to sing my freaking baby to sleep, okay? I am going to put a video of myself singing to baby, okay? When baby starts crying, I'll have Trenton film it, really. It's going to be fun, okay? And, I mean, not fun when the baby's crying, but I think it'll be a lot of fun when I can calm my baby down. And it's like, you know, you gotta sing very low when you sing to baby. Baby, baby does not like, high notes oftentimes need more air to power them, so you, you, 
you want to sing soft and low to the baby. That's kind of what I figured out. Babies like it that way. Yeah, that's how babies like it. So for instance, if I'm singing Coventry Carol, I like singing it low, like the way Alison Moyer did it in her version, her rendition for the Christmas album that she's on, whatever. That low. And then you can have like a little descant on top, like Hold on. La, 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 little tiny child. So then I could go like la, 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 little tiny child. Bye bye. I love that song. It's actually one of my favorite. Coventry Carol is one of my favorite songs because it can be sung as a lullaby to a little one. A lot of Christmas songs could also count as lullabies, especially, you know, if my baby's born around Christmas time, I'm gonna have the following sung to that little kid. And you will know this carol. This was the first song I ever sang or played. And this was what my grandmother caught me at, but this is Silent Night, so, but I would have it sung not in Gaelic like what Enya does, but I would sing it like Silent Night, Holy Night, that low. But that key is perfect and it's so pretty. And I would even have my choir, my choir women, I would have like a whole fucking choir if I could. Maybe a couple of singers come with me and we would sing because I would spend half my day singing to baby because it's crying all day. Come on. Once baby comes into the world, I want the baby to get a really nice entrance. Once the baby is fully developed, or if baby's like, I gotta get out of here! This world is driving me crazy! God. I mean, my husband slash partner slash whatever you want to call my significant other, my significant other was born a preemie, okay? And I don't think it runs in the family necessarily, but premature birth is weird. Ooh, guess what I got?
like in the morning he's always like have a safe day <laughs> the guy literally has his heart is set on keeping me safe and it's so weird i mean look this guy is a freaking angel on earth if he died tomorrow i would miss him but i would know that he was up there somewhere watching me and you know there's actually a really cool story I also read about a baby angel. It's funny, but there was a baby that died, okay? Two baby angel stories, I want to tell you. Um, and I'm sorry if this triggers some people. Um, I know some of you might have lost babies. Some of you might have. I had a friend who lost a twin baby. She had twins, but one of them didn't make it, and it was really sad. I mean, feel her pain because like you know but I don't think about it as you know oh I, you know it's not the not the grief part that bothers me but you know it's the way this one woman that I know she's the wife of a rocket scientist isn't that strange I just said that the wife of a fucking rocket scientist this woman had her own miscarriage problems, you know, and my mom had to explain the whole thing to me. She's like, oh yeah, my friend had a miscarriage. I'm like, what? Huh? What the hell's a miscarriage? I didn't say it that way, but, you know, my mom told me that, you know, sometimes when a baby is in the mother's womb, God says, okay, this baby isn't quite ready to be, and, you know, God don't make mistakes, but, you know, God gives us these experiences because that's basically the universe and God gives you know, but anyway, let's get these stories. The first one is about an infant that likes to, you know, well, there was a toddler, okay? This woman had a baby that died, but then there was another toddler that would constantly look up, laugh, and point. And this mother was like, what the hell are you looking at? And the toddler was like, baby Kenny, baby Kenny. She couldn't say Kennedy, but she said baby Kenny. And she kept pointing at this, I think it was boy or girl, I can't remember. But they kept pointing at this baby. The baby that only revealed itself to them. This child named Blake. And Blake just sat there and pointed. And he was like, baby Kenny. He was laughing and pointing and smiling. A baby angel does that to someone. Okay, and then there was another little guy named Jeffrey. He was dead a few months after birth, okay? But then the woman had other children, and the children and the woman went to church. Now, I know some of you don't realize that, you know, churches are kind of weird, sacred places. I don't really believe in the creedal religious faiths anymore because I was hurt so many times. But I like this story because it's a story of hope. And it, it was about... A, a chicken soup story. These are both chicken soup stories about like angels among us. It's really cool. But this other story is about little Jeffrey and the kids at the church. This woman was sitting in church with her other kids and family and whatever. I don't even know what the hell the occasion was. Was it like a normal Sunday? I don't know. But the kids were the only ones. They were like, hey mom, did you see this little boy? He was walking down the aisle. It was exactly 13 years later or so, and Jeffrey revealed himself to be a boy, a teenager, to these kids. 
and he was walking down the aisle like he owned the place or something, you know. It was like, but this, these kids, these angels, they reveal themselves to our children, and I think that's important. These angels can show us a lot of things beyond. And if I if I had to lose a baby, you know, and then you know I'd have to have another baby, but you know, I don't want to talk about losing a baby. I don't understand what it's like. I never will. Maybe I never will. But if I have a stillborn child or the child dies a few months later, whatever the situation may be, I am not cremating that kid. I'm going to bury the child with a little plot of land and a cemetery, whatever, if we can do it, you know, we can find a little plot for that little kid. But... I would name a child, I would name a child like that, like, I'd have to give the kid a name that signifies, you know, how blessed the child is. I would even name, if it was a girl, I know someone uses the name Nevaeh on my Facebook page, but that's heaven backwards. Nevaeh would be the best name to give a kid that was stillborn, because to me, I think the kid wasn't meant to be here on earth. And I'm not going to, I may grieve, I may mourn the loss of such a kid, but, you know, if I had another child and the child kept pointing and laughing and, or years later, if the little girl or boy revealed themselves to my child on earth, you know, I'm an angel, I'm an older sister or brother that never made it, you know, and it was weird because there was another story called, uh, oh God, what was it? called Miracles from Heaven. God, I'm trying to remember what... It was a... Okay. Heaven is for real. Oh, that's it. Yeah. If you guys watch the movie Heaven is for Real, this guy goes completely bonkers. And... Okay. So his little son, Cole. This little boy, Cole, he goes in for typical routine removal of an appendix surgery, okay? But it's no ordinary surgery because this kid ends up seeing visions and he saw a little girl. He found out that mom had tried twice to have another child and she had a girl, but then before she had a little girl that didn't make it. And he found out so much shit. Like, okay, there was God and there was, you know, the figure in robes and all that stuff. But the movie paints a picture of this Cole. Cole is a young, young boy. And this guy named Todd, that's his, you know, dad, and he's a preacher, preacher's son. He's lying there in the operating table. They, they're dicing and slicing his body open to get the damn appendix out. He has appendicitis. And God says to this little kid, don't be afraid, you know? And the angels were like singing to him and stuff. Todd saw visions. I mean, Todd's son saw visions of heaven everywhere. Cole saw visions of what heaven looked like. And it's like he saw his his sister. That movie just about I have tears in my eyes thinking about how it's so awesome. But you know, it's miracles from heaven. I don't know what that movie's about. I haven't seen that one. But Heaven is for Real is the movie that talks about that little boy when he saw Heaven. Yeah. 
So, but basically my whole point here is that baby lullabies must never include talk of the boogeyman, hell, angels are fine, but the devil is not. Don't talk about monsters in your song. Hey, there's only one song I would make an exception to. Anybody heard the Seals lullaby? Oh my god. I need to find a song called the Seals lullaby. And it's a beautiful, it's a real beautiful tune. And it, I'll close with this. Um, the Seals lullaby, the lyrics are written in Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Books collection. Now, before I say anything further about Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Books collection, please note, I do not endorse half of what Rudyard Kipling writes about. Write some great stories. I'm not gonna lie, okay? I like his just so stories. One of my favorite ones was, oh my god, I'm trying to remember. There were a few, okay? One of them was the crab that played with the sea. This is funny. Okay, so you have this big giant thing called the crab, and the maker of all things basically tells him, okay, play at being a crab. But the crab ended up doing something stupid, like with the ocean. So the maker said, I'm gonna make you small and stupid and clawed-like and all this crap. And all of your children and grandchildren. It was one of those little stories that kind of reminded you of why the crabs are annoying creatures that, well, First of all, I do like to eat crab. I'm sorry, Sebastian. Why? Give me imitation crab meat, and maybe I won't feel so bad. Okay? But lobster and crab are some of my favorite seafood. But I'm kind of trying to stay away from it, though, because of price and luxury crab. But I do like the lobster ravioli because, oh, yeah, that's another thing. Anyway, so, but this crab... He ends up on our plates and is small in size. And his children and grandchildren are completely nutso and very small. Do you know why, guys? Because he was stupid and he played with the sea. That's what Mr. Kipling wants us to know. And then there was, oh, he told the story of the ark really well. I really liked it. But I also liked some of his Neolithic stories about Captain May burning. Well, he says, we'll still call her Taffy. It's really funny. But my favorite Jungle Book stories, Ricky Tikki Tavi. I love that one. And um, let's see. Uh, Ricky Tikki Tavi is one of my favorites because it's about a mongoose. And I really like mongooses. You know, in India, you've got to have a mongoose in your garden because the goddamn cobras are going to go fuck up your garden and eat you alive. And if you want to nag a nagaina in your fucking garden, be my guest, but don't... Don't fuck up. <laughs> but anyway, um... You don't want to have a nag or a nagaina fucking around in your garden. So if you're somewhere in India... 
make sure there's a mongoose nearby that's friendly enough to go and fight your damn snake problems away. I'm sorry. I don't like this idea of killing cobras without the aid of a mongoose and a gun and a stick. You need, let's see, three steps to killing a cobra. One, let the mongoose handle the shithead. Two, once the thing is dead, you want to beat the shit out of it so that it doesn't strike you. Three, throw the goddamn thing in the garbage. <laughs> throw it somewhere in the rubbish heap. <laughs> uh, if the poisonous cobra does try to strike you, Oh, well, snakes are weird because, like, when they're dead, they will strike. Even if they're dead. And remember, this rhyme, when you're dealing with snakes, and this applies especially to those living in tropical climates, India, Florida, uh, South China Sea, who the hell knows. Um, red on yellow, you're a dead fellow. Red on black, you're okay, Jack. So... A black racer will likely not strike, and it won't hurt you. Just leave the motherfucker alone, okay? But coral snakes, you don't want to get bitten. The crates are the worst. If you live in a jungle area, likely you're not listening to this podcast from such an area. But if you ever go and visit such a place, make sure you sleep. God forbid, I demand that you sleep in an elevated bed. With your child in your arms if you're a mother and you sing to that kid you sing that baby to sleep and don't include the snakes or the boogeyman <laughs> and the reason why I say elevated bed in a tent if you're going to go camping out in the jungle or wherever just make sure you have an elevated cot don't go with a sleeping bag on the floor it's not cool. I don't ever want to camp on the floor ever again because depending on where you are, crates and small insects on the floor could bite your ass. And if your bag lands in a goddamn fire ant mound, you're in big trouble. Fire ants will bite your ass. That's when you need to bring out the ortho fire ant killer. There you go. Next, if you're going to go camping, if you do have a baby and you're going to go camping, make sure you're holding the baby upright and a little bit, you know, you got to make sure the baby's on its back, the blanket down to its chest. I'm actually lying down on the bed and my bed clothes are just a little bit up on my chest. This is exactly how you want the baby sleeping. You want the baby wrapped in blankets. You can swaddle your baby in what we call swaddling clothes. And give the baby its little binky or whatever the hell to keep it secure. A stuffed bear, animal, whatever. If an animal, like, if you're, okay, if you're in the Australian bush, please, God, please... Be sure you are able to go, like, within an Australian dog fence. I don't even know how the fuck this works. But I know that dingoes have been known to abduct and eat babies and other creatures in Australia. Dingoes 
they are wild. Don't fuck with a dingo. You don't want to fuck with those. But once your baby and you are asleep, you may want to make sure you have... Oh, I got a trick. You know, in Somalia, they do have thorn bushes that they do sometimes make into thorn fences, like thorn bush fences, to keep lions and predators away from everything within the fence, which would include, but is not limited to, sheep and goats, which are domestic animals and can easily be fucked up and taken and eaten by a predator. They also do these thorn bush laced, they have like, they do fences laced with thorns. And it keeps all the predators out mostly, but like lions, they don't want to eat the goats and sheep. And Somalis are obsessed with camels, like, <laughs> like the men especially are obsessed with freaking camels. My ex told me a few di different stories about growing up on the steppe in Somalia and, you know, they all involved camels. Oh my god. Anyway, so my ex, my ex is weird. My ex is really weird. But yeah, that was him. But you know, I don't know if they have thorn, thorny plants in Australia that you can easily use to make a fence with. Somali fence builders, the women are usually the ones who can take down the tent and they weave grass mats and they do this weird stuff. I'll tell you what, the only persons who documented all this is Faduma Korn and Ayan Hirsi Ali, both of whom are activists on different fronts. Uh, Ayan is a lot more well known, but she has written a very beautiful memoir called Infidel, which talks about some of this. The thornbush fences. Usually her grandma was good at weaving, you know, pictures and grass mats and other such things. But, you know, if you're a nomad camping out in the jungle, you, you likely don't know about crates and why they're dangerous. Small insects, predators, uh-uh. I will never, never sleep on the floor, ever ever, ever again. I think nomads anywhere in the world should know that sleeping on elevated beds is very safe and it's an effective way to discourage crates. Go as high as you want and within the limits of your tent, you could always go, oh, f four feet up off the ground. Crates usually slither on the floor. Now, the big cobras might come up. I don't even know how fucking long those fuckers are. Never seen a cobra. I've never actually petted a cobra, but my god, I wouldn't want to pet one unless someone actually was around to make sure the damn thing didn't bite me. Okay? Anyway, but I want to look up the seal's lullaby, or the seal song. So I'm going to go look at that. And... I'm going to see if it's there, but the Shoshone love song, speaking of Australia, was sung with a lot of, okay, please, I don't ever want to mention Mr. Davis and his weird thing about tall vowels, 
because the girls, okay, they all had Australian accents, I get it, but their vowels, although their diction was great, the vowels seemed a bit too bright for my taste. But you know what? It was, I think they were young girls, and I guess their methods were a bit different. Usually, Brits and Australians, other English-speaking countries, well, alleluia is one tricky damn word to say or sing. Hallelujah is easier to say. But when you're singing, for example, in the Hallelujah Chorus for Handel, there is something really weird about singing. Okay. You're singing Alleluia. That's how it should sound. But there are some people who do Alleluia. Uh 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 uh. You want to say Alleluia. Okay? But thankfully that so- that word isn't in the song I was referring to. But when you're saying when you're singing there is a white star of twilight. Um, when you you want to think British, like if you you want to sing with the same kind of diction as a British boy choir. Um, well, it depends on which song it is, but I would sing it like there is a white star of Twilight. Twi is kind of a funny thing. Twi. Oh God. Twilight. Twi. You kind of want to emphasize the ah over the e. It's it's called a diphthong. It's really weird. I've learned about this in singing, but the girls were like, "There is a white star." Oh my god, their freaking vowels were bright. I can tell the difference between bright and dark, and I'm not even a darn choral teacher. But trust me, I, I love chorus, and I love choir, and I love to sing. And I want to learn and work with other people, music directors. Maybe I will need to go back to college and learn how to conduct a choir. But the one thing I really don't want to have to do is go to college. And I can talk about that in another session here. But um, the truth is I really, really don't want to. um, I really want to make sure that whatever I do, I'm not doing anything stupid. Anyway, um, have at it, y'all. In the latest tech news... The, um, Spotify and uh, Apple Music, if you're in the UK, please beware, there is competition going on. You may never be able to listen to my damn podcast ever again. (sighs) Maybe that's a joke. I hope it's a damn joke. Because I know Jonathan Mosen, he's the guy that does Mosen at large. If you want to check out his podcast... Anywhere in the world, if you want to check out Jonathan's podcast, he's he's also having... He'll have lots of issues once Spotify and Apple Music are forced out of the UK. I think that's really stupid that, you know, Jonathan's customer base in the UK is going to be like, fuck, 
I'm done. But the truth is that I like Jonathan's podcast and his UK fan base will likely be abandoned. And it's, it's stupid. This competition thing is stupid. I distribute my podcast on both Spotify and Apple. And Spotify owns Anchor, which owns the content that I distribute. I'm going to tell you something right now, guys. I ain't liking it. But anyway, if you have any questions for me, you are... You are welcome. I'm going to share the post up on, oh yeah, my new Twitter and Instagram for, for what, for what it's worth, in order to contact me now, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, you have Instagram, and you have an email which I think I need to decide if you guys really don't like my GMX account I'm sorry but I need to have a way to separate all of the feedback I get but there's also a young African leaders conference in somewhere in like Accra Ghana and I got this email about that in my GMX folder thank you to the person who sent it, but I'm not interested right now. I want people to send me feedback with the name of the podcast in the subject line. If you don't do this, I will mark it as spam or I'll delete it, okay? So please guys, I mean it, just freaking email me via the GMX account because I got to put that damn thing to use. And I'm not making another damn Gmail account, okay? Because if I do, yeah, that's gonna be a tough one. Anyway, um, thanks all of you. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ThroneRoomDQ, all one word, all lowercase. Thank you all. guest co-host my friend Bella um I call her Bella I'm so funny um we know that Halloween is coming up and we want your kiddos to be safe this Halloween but I also am aware that there are a lot of things going on in Detroit well guess what I think Denver also has some of this going on um because of COVID-19, for instance, Denver Civic Center Park was closed to the public because of drug paraphernalia, rodents, shit, and other shit, you know. Okay, make sure you tag this as explicit. I already did. The whole freaking podcast is tagged as explicit, sadly. I had to go through the settings and I turned on the explicit switch. So... Yeah, it's okay. Especially if we... Sorry about that. The noise kind of got canceled there. I said especially...
mushrooms in the Denver area, like Denver oh, County. Dude. I had a friend who had shrooms, and I ate one and nothing happened to me, but my ex-roommate, Jaysha, ate like six of them. Uh-oh. And she was like, she was tripping, dude, because this was before we could move into the trailer. Oh my god. Dear god, shrooms. Well, just don't do what, don't do. place called Hacienda Wheat Ridge for dinner, lunch, I think, no, it was lunch. We split the entire queso bowl between four of us, okay? It was me, my buddy Heather, 
And, oh yeah, case, the queso at Hacienda is absolutely bomb. It's, like, so bomb. It's really good. We will need to do a podcast about food next time. We will need to do a... And speaking of food, I want to remind listeners that you can follow me now on Instagram at ThroneRoomDQ, also on Twitter at ThroneRoomDQ. You can also check out my Facebook page, facebook.com slash ThroneRoomPodcast. I wanted to do the same thing for Twitter and Instagram, but unfortunately... Oh, here's something funny. Trenton and I were going through the damn list of things that took such names we wanted. We, we tried the throne room and we found out that, oh my God, this is funny. I did this in one of my segments, but I was talking about a toilet. And here's a reason why, because Thomas Crapper, and I wondered if the guy was a descendant of an, the original Thomas Crapper who you know, envisioned the modern flush toilet because I remember reading an article about toilets and it was, it was pretty funny. So, and whose last name is legitimately Crapper? I'm not even kidding. And there, there was an Edith Crapper who drew the toilet. She sketched it. So I am not joking. Actually, the, the original inventor of what we would deem to be a flush toilet was believed to have been John Harrington as I mentioned in this previous segment, but I'll, I'll let you in on this one. This is fun. So it was Queen Elizabeth I and her royal groom of the bowl who came up with the idea that we don't want chamber pots. We don't want people getting covered in shit. So the guy invents this. A chamber pot is, well, before toilets, okay? And. Yeah. You would go in the chamber pot and then a water carrier would say some phrase that relates to a French phrase that means watch out for water and they would dump the chamber pots in the street. Ew. Yeah, that's before we had cleanliness and sewer systems and before we even knew that such shit could cause disease. I'm not even kidding. Yep. Speaking of shit. Did you know that uh-huh. every time you poop, uh-huh. this is kind of an awkward conversation, but but every time you take a shit or whatever, mm-hmm. I guess like little particles can go into the air and get into get on your toothbrush. Oh my god, I didn't even know that. Well, it depends on what those particles are, and I usually am very good about flushing every time I go. But uh, you know the the thing I hate. Porta potties. I hate them. Ugh. I hate porta potties. I hate them so much. I wish they never existed. And I will never use public restrooms again. Ever. Fuck public restrooms, okay? <laughs> I don't really like porta potties either. <laughs> neither does um neither does Megan. Oh jeez. You guys are weird. No, no, because here's a funny story. No. Oh. Um, when she was in Girl Scouts, I guess she went camping and she saw the, the porta potties. Oh, jeez. She flipped the script. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I bet that. I bet. Yeah, uh, speaking of Girl I, Scouts, let's switch to a different topic before you go nuts. Well, anyway, Girl Scouts. I loved Girl Scouts, but I also want to warn everybody, if you're going to go camping this fall, be safe. Be very safe. 
But, you know, Girl Scouts... COVID cases, too, because COVID's rising, too. COVID keeps going up, and it will go up this winter if you do not get your vaccines. Reminder to everybody to please get your vaccines. If you can. I got mine, and I think Trenton needs a booster because he got the J&J. However, the FDA recently just approved, as of this recording, they approved the mix and match thingy dingy. So if you've got the J&J, you can get a Moderna booster or Pfizer booster. I think in my building it's like Pfizer. I got the Moderna for both doses. The first Mm -hmm. dose wasn't so bad. Yeah, I was like kind of weak and stuff and not able to move. Dude, my arm was sore the first damn dose. Okay. Like legit. And then like legitimately though, Mm -hmm. the second dose, I was sick for a day and a half. Well, I'd rather... I I was like, I was feverish. I couldn't hardly stand. Yeah, you know... (laughs) You know, it's funny. The second dose didn't really do too much to me, really, but it didn't exactly help that I, you know, well, actually, I think all my appetite loss was May, but, um... I think my appetite, okay, my appetite loss was when I was in my, like, after my surgery, because after my surgery, like, I didn't want to eat anything. Like, I got, Mm -hmm. Nate brought me some Wendy's because I gave him some money to go get me some Wendy's. Uh Uh-huh. And I barely ate that. And then um, mm-hmm. I came home that Monday morning mm-hmm. and I didn't hardly eat anything for like the next month and a half. Like I would eat just enough so I wouldn't be starving. Yeah. Ethiopian? Oh, well, it's not just Ethiopia. Now it's Afghanistan. But Ethiopia is a really hot mess right now because it's a lot of this Tigray region is being really bad. Like some soldiers are beating people up and stuff. It's really sad. Anyway, so getting back to Halloween, I want to tell you guys, I'm having a spooktacular time over here in Denver because my lucky caregiver Maria, with the four leaf clover on her head, brought me. I'm just joking about the four-leaf clover. But she brought me a total of three different Halloween thingy-dingies. She brought... I actually want to get more damn candy. We need more damn candy in our freezer, man. Anyway. Dude, after Halloween is when all the best Halloween candy goes on sale, bitch! Bitch! I want my Halloween candy on sale. Yes. And then just live on chocolate for an entire month. Oh, God. A year? Are you crazy? A year. You're crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so to you kiddos celebrating Halloween, there are some great ways to do it. But see, my lucky caregiver brought me some Halloween spooky cookies. They're Oreos, and they tasted amazing. Trenton thought they tasted orange-ish, but I'm like, fuck no, they taste really amazing. Speaking of Oreos, did you know that they have a cherry soda flavored? Oreo cookie? What? Yeah. This is so fucking... As you eat it, it pops in your mouth like soda. Oh my god, no, 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 no. Stop! You're, you're gonna have me hunting for this shit! Dear God! 
You want to know what I haven't tried that I really wish I could have right now? What? Pop Rocks. What are they? Pop Rocks. They're like this candy that kind of explodes in your mouth and it's all sugary and mm, yum, yum. Speaking of rocks, you know what I want? What? I need some Moon Rock Bud. Moon Rock Bud? Bud. Bud? Yeah. Oh, dear. Like... <laughs> There's, there's a type of weed called moon rock, and then there's oh. a type of weed called sun rock. Oh, wait. So what's the difference? Moon rock is more of the indica, and I think the, oh. sun, the sun rock sun. is more of the sativa. Oh, okay. So for you newbies who are not exactly familiar with those terms, indica and sativa, indica puts you down, sativa is an upper. Depends. Depends on the person, because anytime yeah. they smoke sativa, mm-hmm. You're out like a light. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Weed and marijuana is available in Denver and Colorado for that matter. You know, it's funny. I remember the first time when marijuana became legal in Washington state and there was a freaking pot shortage and a grandma was one of the first people to buy the pot. It was so cool. I was like, wow. There was a pot shortage? Yeah, because everybody wanted all the pot. It's amazing, isn't it? And honestly, I really don't care because, you know, here in Colorado, we're using all the tax revenue from the pot. We're using all that to better our state. So it's it's good, I guess, if people buy, you know, enough edibles to last them or whatever. Trust me, I, um, I'm smoking this fake THC shit and it's called Delta H. Mm. And I can only tell you this. It's fake as fuck. Oh, boy. And it makes me feel really, really weird. Wow. You know, it's really weird. I'm kind of loud and fun, usually. But when I I took a hybrid... Okay, this is going to be weird. Every time I've had at least one edible pot, like I had half a brownie that was shaped like a heart. Yeah. You were probably stoned out of your mind. Oh, God, yes, I was... In fact, I got really soft. And Trenton's like, this isn't the Beth I know. What do you know? And I think I took... The same thing happened when I took one-third of a weed chocolate bar. And I was out like a light. But, you know, it's funny. The fireworks made me think I was in a goddamn war zone. I'm like, oh, Lord. And it didn't help that it was the 4th of July and everybody was going... All the fireworks were going off. Bang, 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 bang. And it, it just t- sounded a lot like guns and war and stuff. I'm like, what the hell went on? You idiot. You were stoned out of your freaking mind. <laughs> I know. I, I, I could tell I was stoned out of my freaking mind. Even, I mean, Trenton was like laughing out of his... Even when I, okay, even with this fake shit, the high even really weird. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> like, I honestly, like, I don't even feel high. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's another thing. If you want to consume marijuana, please note that you need to do this in only the states where it is legal. Usually it's 21 and up. Same with alcohol. And, you know, um, 
in in Colorado at least it's 21 and up. For all the states, there's only one I place smoked, that'll do shrooms. I in New Jersey, so New Jersey? Wait a second. Yeah. Huh? Oh man. It's hard to keep up because a lot of states are now legalizing pot. The only place we need to hit hard is now the federal areas cuz federally legalizing cannabis would be really good especially to curb the uh over-incarceration of the colored and the whatever. Over-incarceration of African Americans and people of color and all that kind of stuff. Because I think it was a racist idea to illegalize weed in the first place. Dude, mm-hmm. and I can definitely tell this is fake. Mm-hmm. Because typically my cartridges don't sense. Oh. There's a scent with this. You may want to stick to some real shit, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get into Britney one, but it's not quite eight yet, so... It's okay. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit... Okay, so I had Halloween donuts and Halloween cookies. I talked about the Halloween Oreos. The Halloween donuts, yummo, yummo, yummo. Maria brought me six of these cakey icing donut things. And they were, they had like spooky shit all over it. It was like real nice. I'm not even sure what color icing it was, but shit. Them donuts were delicious. What what meals did she give you this week? Oh, this week's food porn pics. And I'll try to take pictures of the samples. Now, first I want to apologize. I want to give a shout out to a buddy of mine named Davina. I'm going to have to message her as soon as I'm done here. Um... Davina gave us some French's honey mustard, honey mustard, mustard something. And Maria brought over this stuff and she goes, okay, I'll just make deviled eggs with it. She made this into the most delicious, sweetest deviled eggs I have ever had. Trenton? I'm not an egg person. Oh, well, yeah, I, I like... Deviled eggs, scrambled eggs, huevos rancheros. I like eggs of every sort. But um, yesterday, for those of you following my personal Instagram, which you'll see pictures from it on my Facebook as well, I posted some food porn. I know. And someone said, you're making me hungry. Stop it. I'm like, okay, it worked. But I was able to describe some dim sum, which was on the left, and it did detect that it was dim sum, which is so surprising. I took a picture of the steamed pot stickers from Noodles and Company, and they are so delicious. They're big, they're fat, they're good. It's full of chicken and shit. Let me think. Chicken and onions and yum, 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 and it's got soy sauce. And it's all steamed, which is better than fried. I got to tell you, I don't like fried anything. I'm not a fried person. Then in the middle of the row, I had a bowl of Japanese pan noodles, no meat or tofu. And I had all this broccoli and mushrooms and cilantro and this, oh my God, these fucking caramelized onions and sweetened soy sauce over udon noodles. L yummo. 
And then Trenton wanted to, I ordered him a bowl of buffalo chicken macaroni and cheese, which it's macaroni and cheese, okay, but it has buffalo and then it has chicken. I could have easily gotten the barbecue pork mac, but I wasn't in for it. But now at Noodles and Company, they got this new stuffed pasta dish thing. They got a bunch of stuffed pastas, and oh my god, they are delicious. So if you want to be hungry with me, I know Bella's probably got a rumbly in her tumbling by now. I do. Oh! <laughs> it worked. I do, and I have lunch at 2 o'clock, so I'm going to have to call Megan after mm-hmm. the, uh, the segment, because I need to eat some suffrage. You better eat some good suffrage, girl. Well, I guess I better shut up and quit talking about food for a while so I can at least calm your fucking stomach. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, anyway, about Halloween. To keep your kids safe this Halloween, and especially to all parents out there, if you're going to dress your kids up for Halloween, here's something to keep in mind. Before you go out trick-or-treating, before the costume even goes on your kid, Make sure you pick a costume that is appropriate. There are a thousand different costumes you can do that are... You You have no idea what I'm going as. You want me to to tell you what's hot? Like what other people? I'm going as a sexy Scooby-Doo. That's actually quite good for an adult Halloween party. But I'm, 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 yeah. For adults who want to go to Halloween parties at the bar. What the hell? Sorry. That's all right. I know I know your phone is funny. Your phone is a funny one. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying though, um sexy Scooby-Doo is fine because everybody loves Scooby-Doo, okay? Scooby-Doo has lots of iterations. It's a television show. Okay. Great choice, Bella. Really look great choice. But Actually, I think there was one year that Spirit Halloween costumes had a psycho killer costume that was very insensitive to the mentally ill. There was a straitjacket costume. There were, you know, other costumage things. And they were all insensitive to mental health. There's also other costumes that you you must never dress up as, especially today... Do not dress up as, oh, a Nazi soldier, a concentration camp victim. None of that is costume worthy. But you can, however, here's the hot costume of the day. These days, Disney wants to see everybody dress up as Maleficent or Cruella. Guess what? Those are movie characters. Fine with moi. And you can also dress up as a princess or a television show character of any sort. I have, mm-hmm. um, it's not really Maleficent, mm-hmm. but the the wings symbolize Maleficent. Oh. I got this ring from Megan. Oh. And it's, it's black. Mm. And it's got angel wings and it's got diamonds all around it. Ooh, weird. That would look great with a Maleficent costume, and I've never even... I think Maleficent... Do what? What you don't realize, I don't think, is that that Mm -hmm. ring is real. It's real? It's real. Ooh, shit. Um, 
Wow, that's an amazing Megan looking I, ring. Megan and I actually got matching ones, but hers doesn't fit her finger. Oops. You know, that's funny. When I went to buy Trenton's commitment ceremony slash wedding ring, he basically um, couldn't fit the one that I originally bought him. I wanted to get a zirconian one. But then we ended up getting something else from Walmart for like 50 bucks. And we had to do gold, silver, or platinum. Was it real? Are they real? Yeah. the Both of our rings are real. In fact, even my engagement ring is real. It's got so much gold in it. And actually, no, my, my wedding ring, I think, is a gold. But my engagement ring has some silver in it. And it has... It's got princess cut diamonds. It's really pretty. So Where's your It's on my right hand. Right there. Right oh, on my right hand. It's on your right hand now? Yeah. My engagement ring has always been on my right hand. I wear that on my right hand, and then I wear my wedding ring on my left. It's not how the, the engagement ring is supposed to go. I think it's supposed to go on your left. What? And the wedding ring yep. on my right? Nope. They, they both go on your left. Both? Both of them. Jesus Christ. Maybe I should just slip both of them to my left finger, but I, I, I've never understood that damn custom anyway. Oh, boy. Because it's a wedding band. It is a wedding band. You know, it's funny. I've actually learned a lot about that kind of stuff, but, you know. Oh, and, uh, oh. Um, what's another thing about fall? Oh, fall is... The time to look at the fall colors, and Denver has some pretty fucking good fall colors. We checked yeah. the air quality today, and it was really good, but yet we're smelling some smoke in our building, and I wonder if it's just people having cigs here, which is not allowed. And, you know, I got people who are smarter than the guy I had staying with me one time. I got a lot of smart people who would never smoke in my building, and I would even tell people, do not smoke in this building. And that's fine, you know, but, you know, Trenton's mom. You can't vape in the building? You really shouldn't do that. I don't think you can really vape in the building because it's a high rise. The walls are thin as paper and you've got vents and things and people will smell everything coming down. And vapes don't really give that much of a smell though, bro. Well, okay, but you can't really smoke buds in here. You can't. You can't even smoke cigs. But maybe you could vape, but you just have to close the door. That's yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, I can, the only thing I can smoke in the house right now is the weed vape. I can't smoke butt outside. I get that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get that. And I don't... I actually do a lot of edibles. I do edibles, if mostly. I, if I ever have my own house... Uh-huh. Hmm? I would say if it's in the winter, you can go and, mm -hmm. you know, you can smoke in the house... But just make sure you spray everything. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the more annoying thing. Summer, but in the summer, summer, you have to go outside. You know, I would actually, you know, even in the winter, my grandmother, beloved Judy Bear, my beloved Bema, she was such a sweetheart. A strong woman, and oh yeah, Texas women are nothing to mess with. But, you know, my grandmother was the type who loved back porches. And she would smoke on the back porch no matter what the weather. She usually lived in subtropical climates. Outside when it's that cold and smoke, because. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I know. Like my grandmother though, she really loved crossword puzzles. She loved crossword puzzles. And she had a subscription to the Times, the New York Times. And my cousin got a great subscription to the New York Times. And my cousin even said and I went and voted some months after Bima's funeral. I went and voted. Because one of the things that Bima would say to Sarah, and everybody in her care, she would say, you can't bitch if you don't vote. You cannot bitch or complain about the results if you don't vote and put your voice in there. Well, see, when Trump, mm -hmm. okay, when President Trump won, mm -hmm. I actually did vote. Yeah, I did too. And I, mm -hmm. um, and I will admit I voted for Hillary Clinton. Me too. I, I really wish that Hillary had won because we wouldn't be in so much dire shit. I mean, Trump really fucked up this country so bad. Yes. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like if Hillary Clinton got to be president, mm -hmm. we might not be so far into this pandemic than we are. And we wouldn't have a bunch of incels and guys who hate women and things like that. I have to be more concerned because of the Trump-supporting guys who say that women should never lead. And there are men. I want to kind of stop and recommend a great book by Laura Bates. It's called Men Who Hate Women. It is on Bard, but it is not yet available Audible or Kindle yet. I don't know why. But there are other books by Laura Bates there, just not that one. I think this one's new. Um, Probably. Yeah, it is. But it'll eventually get to Audible and Kindle. You know... My buddy Joe E. Pinto, J. E. Pinto, Joe, Joe Elizabeth Pinto, she has two books out and she's published a third recently and she loves to write. This woman is a master artist in Brighton, Colorado, and I want to be able to work on a memoir so that people understand well, I'm actually going to try to do like a small book about guardianship and surviving guardianship without all the religious hoo-ha that people put into these books. Um, I'm actually going to write a book that details the probate courts and how they abused me and how in big and small ways it really affected me. For example, yeah. I cannot even get a traditional job. Rehab thinks I'm a psychopath and can't go to college. And there, you know, there's also the small acts that could lead to big things. Like when guys who are blind see that I've been freed from this, they get jealous. And, you know, one or two guys I've mentioned before, they gang up on Clayton and then they start targeting me because I'm free from guardianship. They think that my freedom means, oh, we can go and attack her all we want. No, that's not how it works, fellas. You know, and yeah. I've also had, even when I was in guardianship, I didn't have this much trouble. I didn't have as much abuse when I was in guardianship. But, you know, I actually had a memory pop up on my Facebook. One day, I was talking about how this guy, whose name I could not read because it was... I can't remember whether I was using Jaws or what, but this guy, I think he was Arabic, and he sent me a damn request on Skype. And 
the the name was unreadable and I'm like how can I marry a guy whose name I don't know he said what's wrong with your eyes will you marry me I just about had a fit I'm like fuck you I'm taken like these guys have no respect for boundaries and then when I got freed from guardianship I was told that I was a, quote, moron and a, quote, loon bag and that the guardianship was, quote, correct, quote. And none of that is true. The guy responsible for those statements is now in legal trouble himself for guess what? Molesting a kid. Yay. Well, I mean. Yeah, I know. Well, it's the same guy. You, you told me about this guy. You told me about this guy. I'm not saying his oh, name. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. But, um, but, um, a little. Well, because he abused me so much, I wanted people to understand what could happen if you do. And karma is a bitch, people. You know, people who are entitled as hell, they, they sit there and they chase me. I've also been incapacitated on Facebook twice by two people that I thought were nice and I am so mad that people have been betraying me so much this Halloween I hope their kids realize they ain't the devil it's their parents I'm sorry but these people are parents and you know when parents act the way they their kids do on the internet that's what kills me um yeah. I also found an interesting Wall Street Journal article about TikTok. I don't like TikTok because A, teenagers, B, the teenagers themselves are spending way too much time on TikTok. And I don't really like TikTok because it's also a Chinese-owned company. I can't really do a lot of my social justice on behalf of the Uyghurs on that one. The Uyghurs, the Muslims in China that are being erased forced to sing I love my motherland that makes me sick yeah it made me really sick because this was a kindergarten class full of Uyghur kids and they're singing this stupid Chinese communist anthem in class and I have a buddy who is actually Chinese American and you know the communists have tried to wipe out ancient China like they've tried to wipe out kitchen gods and other cool things that the Chinese have long used. There was there was this book called The Barefoot Lawyer. It's about a blind guy named Chen Guangsheng. He's a lawyer. Mr. Chen is a lawyer. You would call him a barefoot lawyer, but he was also a barefoot massage therapist. Every Chinese student in a blind school that he went to had to do massage therapy for little pay. Which, in America, we would say, absolutely not. This is abuse. You know, because... And sub-minimum wage for disabled people is just... By God, it's awful. So, yeah. you know... And, and massages are a luxury here in America. In China... It's been practiced th since, like, ancient times. Like, you know, acupuncture and massage are both Chinese ancient medicine. But, you know, what's really sad about China and the blind is they isolate their blind in... 
Yeah, they do. Like a lot of Asian countries will do that. They are afraid of blindness like every other place in the world is afraid of blindness. And since China owns Tibet, here's the sad part. I learned that Braille Without Borders in Tibet, they're now in Tibetan hands, but the founders of Braille Without Borders had to contend with all these, and these blind kids in Tibet, I am not, I am marveling every day about how these blind kids deal with comments like, oh, idiot, idiot out there, which the Chinese vendors on the street will yell out that these kids are idiots. I don't know how they deal with it every day. I just, I couldn't deal with it even once. You know, I'd scream back in Mandarin or whatever language they're saying if I did, I'd scream, these kids are not idiots. Stop it. You need to respect these children. They want to buy food from you. This is not what I would expect. And I would never, never want to see a culture where kids are afraid of being who they are. You know? Blindness is a characteristic as much as it is an adaptable disability. And it's great. I really like being blind because, well, for one... I think it's 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 a world where it's not darkness. I think it's very rich and fulfilling. At least I use all my other senses and I pay more attention to things from my ears, my mouth, and my nose, and my hands. But you know, sighted people, if you notice, once they become blind, some of the new blind people, when they become blind, they're like, oh my God, I'm disoriented. And it's because they rely on sight so much that they don't even know what to do when they lose it. So shouldn't we incorporate survivalist classes in our school curriculas or something? I don't freaking know. But I would love to have a how to survive with the lights out class for sighted folks so that they can learn to cook with no lights on. Megan said she did that once. Oh my god. That sounds like fun. Hey, Charlie, I guess uh, uh, I don't really know all the specifics. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. um, I guess Megan kind of did that similar thing back when she was younger. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, though. I mean, I, I mean, we as blind people really need to try to change the world with one swift thing. And one of the ways I think that we can do some positive changes in the Halloween costumes we wear. So if you want to go as a blind person for Halloween, don't. Because the authenticity of the costume is not there. It's just not there. Disability and mental health are not costumes to wear. And I am actually going to demonstrate how to do a sex offender search in the modern age because there is something you, you parents need to know. If you are in a neighborhood for the first time and you're like, I want to take the kids out trick-or-treating or slash and slash or hold a Halloween party at my house, first thing you need to know is who you should invite and who are no-nos. So how do you do this? We do a community search. So say you lived in 80204. You can Google. Today, you can Google 
easily a list of sex offenders in a specific zip code. So that also means Detroit, Michigan, anywhere in Detroit or Denver or, oh God. And uh, all you have to do is put like sex offenders near zip code and up pops a long list. And you, I mean, searching for sex offenders usually required like you would look up your state's version of what's called Megan's Law, not to be confused with any other Megan's we know, but there was Megan Conka and she was raped and strangled by this guy way back in the day. It was like 1995 and the Conkas decided that they would pursue something called the Sex Offender Registry, which lists all of the sex offenders in your neighborhood. But here's another thing. If you're in Louisiana, I think there's a law that says you have to have a stop sign in your window. If you are a sex offender, you have to put a stop sign that you pay for. Everything is paid for by the person themselves. They have to put a stop sign in the window that says sex offender residence. And they have to have their Halloween lights out. And all the lights in their house have to be out anyway during Halloween. And unless, unless they're cooking, then they can have their kitchen lights, but... But everything else, yeah, the lights have to be out. Like the foyer lights and stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, but sex offenders are also not allowed to admit kids to the Halloween, their door and everything. Um, so when you want to look for sex offenders and people that you should not be knocking on, that is when a community search is proper. Now, there are some things I could say about a name search. Like, if you meet a guy for the first time and you're all interested in him and you're a, a woman with children or something, all you'd have to do hey, is Beth, pretty much Google. What? I'm going to probably stop at 8.30 because mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize what time it actually was. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know. Well, that's all right. So, anyway, but... I'm I'm so yeah. sorry. Hey, let's talk about that Detroit bus situation, but I also want to talk a little bit about how there's a shortage of labor anywhere in the nation. There is. I mean, <sighs> there is. You're right, there is. And it's, it's quite... quite sad. I mean, because like I, like I was telling you, mm -hmm. there, I guess one of the mm -hmm. WXYZ reporters for Detroit was <laughs> in a school district that was affected. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. um, like I told you, they, they have to cycle the routes every six to eight weeks so everybody gets picked up because they only have, they have 28 routes, but they only have 27 drivers. 28 routes and 20... Another thing I've been seeing a lot of these school districts do is say, parents, you need to drive your kids. And that can be very expensive, especially for blind moms and dads who can't drive the car. And... If your daddy's at work, kiddos, and your mommy's blind, that's when mommy is going to have to cough up more money to get you to school. And that's really sad. So here's an idea. Why don't parents form carpoolings for these kids? Yep. Because yep. a blind child and or blind parent's kids, they need a lot of that help. So for parents who cannot get a driver license, 
please beg and plead with your school district to provide a carpool so your kid can go to school unless you feel comfortable doing homeschool. And I honestly was thinking about homeschool because I saw this other article that kind of reminded me why I don't want to do traditional school with a kid. It, there was a 10-year-old black girl with disabilities that was arrested at her public school. What? The, yeah, cops have been doing this kind of shit to kids. We're gonna have to, we're gonna, I, I keep cutting you off, but we're gonna have to talk about that more next time. We can do that, yeah, but, you know. I, like I said, I didn't even realize what time it was, and it's already almost 8.30, and I think it's supposed to rain soon. All right, well, um, thank you all for enjoying this little segment with me and Bella. Again, if you want to check out what we talked about, I'm going to share some info about that on Instagram and Twitter, at Throne Room DQ. Please follow there and there. Oh, no notes. Yeah, I'm going to put everything in the show notes. Don't worry about that. But I, I also want to announce it, so if you missed the yeah, show yeah, notes, yeah, I, there I you go. I that you put it in the show notes, because some people... Some people are weird. Okay, cool. Cool. I can do that. more to the show notes. I know. Well, I, I never pay attention to show notes with any podcast that I listen to. I'm kind of weird like that, but okay. Anyway, thanks all. Have a great day, and good night. I'll be to all. To all and to all a happy Halloween. Yes. Alright. Three, two. Alright. Everybody. The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi is really proud to announce all these wonderful things. But now I have a question. And this is a question that has been kind of nagging at me since I saw a comment. I've gladly purchased Braveheart, which, yeah, I know it's a Mel Gibson film, but the lesson here is. Braveheart was not about killing Jewish people or killing women either. It was actually about the Scots fighting for freedom from English rule. It had nothing to do with domestic violence or anything like that. There are a lot of people trying to get me to cancel on Braveheart. Don't put money in the pockets of those who... I don't even know if Mel Gibson owns the rights to that movie. And I don't care, really. And I'm not saying I don't side with Jewish folks or anything like that. I, I knew about his anti-Semitic tirade against the Jewish people. However, I did not know about all this deep misogyny that he must have had for women and all of this. And why did he make the movie? Why did he make this movie about William Wallace, who is, to this day, probably forgotten by the British and, you know, Robert the Bruce and everything like that. Scotland, Scotland has had its own history. You know, 
oppressed by the British. Same with Ireland. I read in my world history music, my world music book, we actually did a lecture on Ireland with this adjunct professor who was doing a lot of other stuff. He was doing his doctorate. I believe it was... I think his name was Trevor. Um, God. He was doing a doctoral dissertation on online communities. Online global communities with music and all of that kind of thing. And one of the things he showed us was a virtual pub. It was really neat. But Ireland had its own oppressive issues with England. And let me explain. Ireland... They had laws in place in Ireland in which someone, you know, if they were a harpist, they had to hang all the harpists in Ireland, but I don't think they really went along with it. It's like with the Scots, they had to rape all the girls, and it was for tax reasons. If you listen to the first scene with Edward the Longshanks, he was a cruel pagan, and pagans are not supposed to harm people, okay? The pagan religion does not allow for harming women, especially women. And Prima Noctis, whatever the hell that tradition is where the guy rapes a girl in the common lands, is rape. It's rape. Let me tell you, Mel Gibson did a good job of acting as William Wallace. He did a really good job of acting the death of William Wallace, which was a spectacle held because the British wanted it. Nowadays, of course, Scotland has had referendums on independence, but it, it wasn't successful because of the British. Now, I have nothing against the British Queen Elizabeth II. She had a, she has a cottage in Scotland. But I think we need to understand that the old history of Sc Scots, thank goodness, don't have to do prima noctis anymore. When a common Scottish bride gets married, her marriage must and does get respected. Personally, if I were to choose any place in the world to do a honeymoon, I would have chosen Edinburgh, Scotland. Maybe even looked up Atlanticshire County and see what kind of old history could be dug up from Scotland. It would have been nice to see, because, you know, I want to know what the hell happened ever since then. I want to know how many times the Scots fought each other and everything like that, you know. This was even way before Tudorian Elizabethan times. Way before that. About 1280 is when the movie starts. It's about 1280 and you got Malcolm Wallace and John Wallace. They both got killed by the British. Yeah, I get it. It's extremely gory, but would anyone believe Mel Gibson was involved in domestic violence or anything like that. I don't believe 
in putting money in his pocket. However, it was the only way to get an actual descriptive version of Braveheart without the POW audio, the weird UK voice, and some people don't like that. Google Play Music, and no, it's gone now. Google Play, or Google TV as it's now called. Google TV has license to a description for Braveheart, and I was eager to, to take a look. Now, if you want to learn more about Braveheart and its weirdness, I would try it. However, you can rent for about four bucks. You can rent it 4K. You can also get it. I actually bought the 4K version just in case I had it on a Google TV or something. Uh, and another thing I wanted to point out is that I did not know that Mel Gibson was charged with domestic violence and misogyny and all of this. But I do believe cancel culture is also very dangerous. And we understand at the throne room why it is dangerous. But 1995, that was the middle of the 90s. And if you want to learn more about 90s culture, You'd do well to read 90s Bitch by Alison Yarrow. I'm not even kidding. And you know, the sad thing is when I ask my echoes, when I ask my, my dots in the bedroom to play 90s Bitch or read 90s Bitch, it goes 90s beep. <sighs> That's really sad. Because bitch is a word used to reduce women down to their sexual function. And in 1995, Hillary Clinton was seen as a basic bitch, I think. More than a, maybe more than a basic bitch. Hillary Clinton was seen as the woman you don't want to be, a wife who dominates her husband. And it's Hillary's fault that Bill went and did whatever. No, it isn't. Bill and Hillary, I'm afraid Bill Hillary, Bill and Hillary jokes are kind of distasteful nowadays, but not shockingly, you know, I think that Bill made the choice to be unfaithful to his wife. It was Bill's choice to be unfaithful to his wife. And in 1995, it was not revealed about Monica Lewinsky and all that crap. I believe I was listening to NPR in about 1999 when the whole Monica thing went out, but in 1995, and I didn't know this, but Beverly Hills 90210 was a thing back in that day. You have to take a look at the culture of the decade to understand why I purchased Braveheart. And I think that it's not about, oh, you know, I'm going to put pocket... I don't exactly think of it as putting... 
I would encourage Mel Gibson, if you do find this podcast, if you do find this episode, you need to stop being misogynistic and donate all the money I, I gave you by accident. You don't deserve that money anyway, Mr. Gibson. You really need to give it to... Oh, I got an idea. How about Safe House Denver, which is a domestic violence shelter for women? And, of course, I think they're an inclusive shelter as well. There's there's a lot of different shelters. Denver does have shelter for women in domestic violence situations. And in 1995, it wasn't as, you know, prominent or giving getting national attention as it is now. You do need to understand, 1995, I was, let me think, I was almost nine years old in 1995. I was growing up in a strict Roman Catholic family that did not allow me to watch an R-rated movie by Mel Gibson. However, Mel Gibson's Braveheart is the only movie that attempts to write down the details of Scottish history. I don't like those... I'm not pretty sure if the movie is historically accurate, per se, but history movies... Like, okay, we went to Boston in band in about 2005-ish. I went to Boston with the band, my school band, and we went to a museum in which some weirdos tried to reenact the whole Paul Revere thing. So instead of the British are coming, the British are coming, which everybody likes to think that Paul Revere actually said, he said, the regulars are coming. We learned that in Boston. Thank you, Klaus. And it is now 12 o'clock. It's 12 noon. The clock, the clock strikes 12. Right here, you're hearing an audible clock skill, which actually sounds a lot like his grandmother's, uh, Catherine's old uh, freaking grandfather clock. It's really good. But um, I think that it's very important to note It's very important to note that, you know, I I don't really like those history movie things. It's the same thing with those that intersect with, say, the battles of the old prophet Muhammad and the battles of jihad in Saudi Arabia. Some of the animation might have been off. Jason and the Argonauts, I think, was, is a classic. Was and is a classic. Jason and the Argonauts was done by a Ray Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen was very famous for his stop-motion animation. He died while I was here in Colorado. I don't remember what year. Maybe he died in, I think it was like 2014. Mel Gibson's death may be announced on the news media. And I'm not saying I would ever celebrate the death of anyone. But Mr. Gibson's money, I think all the money from the sale of Braveheart 
should go to helping abuse victims in places like Scotland and the United States and around the world and should be confiscated rather by some Jewish places. Let's talk about that for a second. The Jewish folks in Denver, they do have a Jewish national health care thingy. I don't know what that's all about, but they've got the Weinberg food pantry. They've got all kinds of things. The Jewish folks have a lot and they need more donations. So you know what? Maybe we should commandeer some of that money for the Jewish folks. Give them the money because the Jews also had oppression. I mean, it was thousands of years before the Scots, but the Jews, they were oppressed by, let me begin with, oh God, ancient Hebrews in Egypt. We all know that story. Ridley Scott, most beautiful, he, it was a beautiful movie, but I'm not sure how accurate the movie was in terms of historical you know, accuracy, but reading about the 10 plagues in the Bible was very good. It was important for me. And as a growing Catholic girl back in the day, I had to read the Bible. The first time I was exposed to the 10 plagues was, believe it or not, on the singing Bible. It was a collection of cassette tapes that had to do with the Bible. And unfortunately, those tapes have since been fucked up, <laughs> like other cassette tapes have. And, you know, Ridley Scott did a real good job of pretty much doing all the things. He followed the Hebrew sacred text, which of course we know as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And there's a lot of scripture that details about what Moses did, what everyone else did, and all this. And we all know that the Hebrews... They came from a very polytheistic world. I learned, at least in world history, that they believed in, I mean, there are still people who do have remnants of the Hebrew, you know, ancient stuff. Um, there was a lot of issues going on with the Hebrews in Egypt. They decided to enslave the Hebrews. Now this, I do want to point something out for those of you who don't really read the Bible. Joseph. It all began with Joseph. He was the youngest of 12 young men born to Jacob and several wives. And of course, I don't really like this idea that Jacob gave in was given two woman servants to sleep with him in order to produce kids, especially Rachel. Rachel and Leah were Jacob's primary wives. You had Zillah and Billah, who were the handmaids slash concubines. This is what we may end up seeing as time goes on with, um, uh, handmaids and all that stuff. Um, of course, we have a caregiver who cannot possibly be here right now. I don't know what's going on. Maybe she's coming a little late. 
she's been drafted for so many clients that she can't even get our laundry done. This is not a joke. Anyway, um, just keeping an eye on that. Uh, anyway, it begins with Joseph being thrown into the cistern and sold to Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites would later become the Muslims who would take over Egypt after the pharaohs. So, if they thought they could sell them to the Ishmaelites, Joseph ended up in Egypt, and he ended up the slave to a woman who was the wife of an ancient scribe or something named Potiphar. Potiphar's wife told a lie and had Joseph thrown in prison. She wanted to use Joseph for her own personal pleasure. And I understand why that was going on. I mean, God, it got worse. It's a lot worse if you're a slave woman. But for Joseph, I think that was a real insult. So he goes into he goes to prison and then he interprets the dreams. We all know that story for the Christians who know that story. We know that. I think the Jewish folks listening to my podcast know that as well. But I want to kind of open this up to interpretation. Joseph basically interpreted dreams that involved what would happen to the person's life. I'm not that great at interpreting dreams myself. And then Joseph was given prominence in the Egyptian house and given two wives, which was double what anyone would have gotten if they were, well, common. Pharaonic times required that pharaohs, they had these big fucking harems, okay? Big giant harems with, ah, who knows? And they also had lots of gods, lots of goddesses, and um, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these gods and goddesses were shaped like animals, or they had animal heads, or they had something else. Now, please don't get me started on Isis. Isis was an Egyptian goddess before she was ever commandeered for some Syrian terrorist group. She was an Egyptian goddess. There was also some sort of weird breast supplement named Isis. Now, isn't that weird? Weird! Because I remember listening to 1999 commercials involving breast aug, breast augmentation. And there was this ad for a thing called Isis. It was a breast augmentation supplement. You will have a more firm and shapely bust line, it said. You shall have a more firm and shapely bust line. Can you believe it? Anyway, um, the problem is that Ramses II might have been even the Ramses dynasty that came to power. We all know 
and some of you might not, know the story of Moses in the, the basket, the baby in the basket bed. He was placed in the Nile, and I guess Bithia. Cecil B. DeMille did a version of the Ten Commandments in which he used the services of a, oh God, I don't even want to think about it, but this was back in the 1960s and 70s and whatnot, but I gotta go. Hi everyone, I just thought I'd try to continue the discussion we were having earlier about um, Mel Gibson and what his money should be doing, um, and about Braveheart and other such things. I would like to report that I was interrupted in the first part by a phone call. Aren't you glad I have a recorder like this? Like the minute I heard the phone ring, I hit the stop button on my recorder and it was cool. I do want to send out a public service announcement though. There's a lot of misogyny in the disabled community. I'm not gonna talk to any one specific person in general, but I do wanna say that anyone in or outside of the disabled community who does decide to do a coordinated trolling effort to try to silence my voice, you will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law for harassment. Any swatting of my building, and you will still be prosecuted to the very extent of the law. If you do not keep away from me, if you do not let me do what I'm doing, if you encourage others to block me, I'm going to have to, you know, find you, track you down, call your name out in public and say that this person has been abusive and I'm going to name the list of trolls each week if I have to. But I shouldn't have to spend half my time dealing with the haters. What I am going to ask is haters back off. Please back off. And... You know, I've also noticed that the misogyny, in Bella's interview, she says, you know, oh, that shouldn't have been broadcast. Well, you know what? When you write something on Facebook, social media of any kind, when you write that you're in legal trouble, and you beg for support, and you say, oh, but I don't want Beth to think that I'm just an evil monster, well, you'll hurt your heart. If you write something on Facebook, such as, quote, I touched a little kid's body, or I robbed a bank, or I did this. It is alleged that I did this or that. What? Did you do it or did you not? Public service announcement number one. Do not write about illegal activity on your social medias. That will never happen on the throne room social media accounts. And number two, any and all mugshots I will look for. I want to see a mugshot of anyone that I know who has done something illegal. If I find out that the guy has a mugshot, or the gal has a mugshot, anybody I know have mugshots of some other people that hate my guts, give me the mugshots, and I will actually put those mugshots on Instagram for people to see, if that's what it has to be. Pictures of food. Mugshots of anti-social justice people, I don't know who else, but, you know, I'm just going to state facts. The picture states a fact. 
a picture is worth a thousand words, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the pictures to mean a thousand words, whether it's about food, social justice, or anything like that. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about a lot on this podcast. Obscure social justice things that don't really get covered through the, the lens of intersectionality and disability and all of that. Um, I want to say that a lot of my common disabled people might not understand why a certain Mel Gibson is misogynistic and all of that kind of thing. There are a lot of conservatives on my page who unfortunately might have been exposed way too heavily to the Passion of the Christ. I got into this big discussion with a friend of mine on Facebook about why the Passion movie is so damn anti-Semitic. And I want to admit, I did not realize that buying Braveheart meant he had money to make a sequel for an anti-Semitic movie. I didn't realize that. But I do want to kind of sort of understand the concept that Braveheart was. It's really good. I mean, look. The guy, William Wallace, was a common Scottish farmer dude who really cared about his people. He had to, because look, his wife was taken away from him by the British, or the English, as they were once called. The English stole his wife, cut her head, they slit her throat, because she said, I'm done with you stupid soldiers raping me and stuff. And that's misogynistic. But William Wallace wanted the marriage bed to be respected, and it wasn't. Not in the case of his friend Morrison. If you look at the scenes, if you look at the scene from Braveheart where they're celebrating Morrison's wedding, the lady that married him was carried off by that Lord Bottoms guy. You don't want chill like that. I mean, if, if Trent and I got a wedding celebration in a place like Lanark in the 1200s. One, it never would happen. But two, if it did, the British would steal my ass on the back of a horse and force me to give my body to a lord who is unfit to be my husband. I would never do that. I would never do something like that. In fact, I would even fight back and cut the guy's head off and I would care less what my consequences would because once two people are bound in marriage, look, we're all bound up as one human family, but you know, when people try to throw us around, especially women, and murdering Scotsmen in the 1200s and 1300s, was, it was real. The struggle they faced was real. And Wallace tried to rectify that, but I'm pretty sure that the, the current Queen Elizabeth knows the history back thousands of years. I mean, look, Elizabeth Windsor is one hell of a badass queen. I want to thank her for her years of service to the British crown, to the British people, and so on, which does include Scotland. However, the queen and all queens should know this. Well, let me tell you. Scotland has led the way, like I said, in curbing period poverty. The schools in Aberdeen now have free pads and tampons for their young students. 
We need to do that here in the U.S. I want to pull a page out of Scotland's playbook. We can't do violent revolutions. Not like Scotland experienced back in the 1300s. Not like the Americans were stuck with in the 1700s. The regulars are coming, the regulars are coming. Okay, Paul Revere, we heard ya. Of course, people like to say he said, the British are coming, the British are coming. But that, like I said, is not what he said. In Boston, the historic, the historic movie that was, it was kind of fake animation, it was weird. But the words were clear. The regulars are coming. Regulars meant the actual militia cut, militia guys, uh, redcoats that ran that area of Concord and Lexington. And it all started in the Battle of Bunker Hill. And it raged. And it raged. Until the Battle of Saratoga in 1776. We all know that the privateers, the privateers, ships, and the British ships, they were fighting like fuck. They fought like hell. It cost many lives. And even the British back in the day tried to stir up the natives. I don't want to say Indians, natives. They stirred up native camps everywhere to try to give the citizens trouble. And now, you also had slavery back in the day, which I won't discuss, but there were many black men who fought for the Revolutionary Army. Not so for the women, because they, they were not allowed to fight. It wasn't like women. Women were not allowed to be free. It seemed that even slave women were not allowed to be free. There were no chances whatsoever. And, you know, what's weird is that in the 1800s, Angelina and Sarah Grimke, we know that they wrote some pretty weird stuff about how chattel slavery was not the Hebrew protection-based slavery. I mean, I wouldn't say there's anything good about slavery at all, okay? The Bible does condone slavery. Exodus said something about, like, when a female slave is this much old, when a male slave is this many years old, every year, every seven years, however much, they did some sort of jubilee thing and they freed a bunch of slaves. Okay, but did they free women too? There were many progressive documents that I've got some rabbinical friends who can kind of help me with this. Um, if you want to, send us a tweet at Throne Room DQ on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the Twitter and the Instagram. You can ask any questions you want. I will get back to you. Please feel free to give those a follow. I I will not follow back ordinarily unless I know somebody because I want to make sure that I don't see anything weird and abusive on your Twitter. I want to make sure this is clear. Online abuse is not allowed. Also, I want to announce that I finally have created a Facebook group. If you want to be part of the group and you're on my Facebook page or you've liked my Facebook, go give my Throne Room Facebook page a like. 
It's uh, facebook.com slash throne room podcast. Go give that page a like. And if you're listening to this for the first time ever, thank you for listening. I appreciate everything that you've said and done to support everything I've done and said. Whatever. Um, Facebook main app is being weird about me starting a live video. I don't understand why it's doing that. But I managed to do a live video on Dolby On, which is really cool. It's actually stereo. And someone asked me, what mic are you using? I said, I am using my iPad mic. Now, ain't that strange, huh? This is The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi, and I hope that you enjoy my podcast. I'm going to have some kind of contact, dedicated contact thing, but don't worry. I think you've got lots of things. You've got lots of things to deal with. Um... I also am making playlists again. I'm really happy that I can make playlists again. But Google apparently has updated its software so that minutes after my playlist is made, I was able to play it on the Google speaker. Now I did have an issue with a playlist that was not showing up on my phone. So I had to delete and remake the playlist. I also want to try to find some obscure Christmas songs for another playlist. And the obscure Christmas songs are going to be really good. For example, there's an Irish Christmas song. I really like it. The Chieftains did a beautiful version of it, and it's called Oh, a Holly She Bears a Berry. And then there's that other one called The Holly and the Ivy When they are both full grown You gotta be careful with those songs Yeah you do <laughs> Both of them are about Holly and Ivy Something fun to note Before I get the hell out of here There will be a Christmas I'm thinking of doing a Christmas live stream On the Facebook page for the throne room if I can get the darn thing to work. And if Facebook, I might actually do a room for all my fans. I don't know. Facebook is weird, okay? Facebook is weird. I'll just say it that way. Um, and my clock is over there. It is set to Westminster. It's really great. I love my show clock over there. Makes the house feel more rustic and bigger than it already is. And I think that's great. I love my partner, Trenton, for all the things he does. He's going to help me with the backpack. I'm going to have to learn how to use backpack because Anchor sucks. In some respects, it does. But I'm going to put the entire episode together. And I think I'm going to do some... I'm going to do some, and I'm not, I'm not going to put the music on Bella's interview, but I want to put music on the solo interviews, depending on what I find, but I'm going to use pod safe material. Um, 
I haven't heard much about my friend Rod and his little Christmas project, but he's revealed that people are financing his script for a Hallmark Channel Christmas special. He has not... I haven't really looked at his posts much, but I want to talk to him about doing an interview, and I want to do a fundraiser on behalf of Rod because... The fundraiser is going to be in the form of the podcast interview. I kind of would like some photos of something. I might have to decorate my freaking house for Christmas this year. I do have a Christmas tree sitting in the corner of a bedroom, but I want a Christmas tree in one corner of the room and a Christmas poinsettia in another corner. I like the legend of the poinsettia. Has anyone ever heard it? We'll talk about that in a couple months. But I'll give you a clue. It involves a little Mexican gal who puts a clump of weeds in the church. And I can get the details of it later, but it involves this Mexican chick who's, well, her mom's poor. And she accidentally did, I don't know what the heck was on her mind, but they had a baby Jesus doll that they put in the, the manger. And instead of the blanket, this woman, this woman was sewing a blanket for the little baby Jesus because he needed a new blanket that year. Well, the little girl pretty much, I guess I'll just tell it anyway, whatever. But we'll get to all the holiday stuff in a couple months. But it is getting nice and cool. Nice and cool, yeah. But um, she puts a clump of weeds in the church and they become a flower. The flower of the holy night. That is the legend of the poinsettia plant. We also made, we made some sort of poinsettia flower plant. I want to get a fake poinsettia just in case someone's dogs in here. I really don't want dogs and cats chewing on the berries of the poinsettia because live poinsettias are poisonous for animals. You don't want, oh, and that reminds me, for Halloween, don't feed the wildlife your pumpkin. It's not good. You need to put your jack-o'-lanterns, I would say, behind a door or gate or fence on your porch but you have to have it so that it's a distance away from your animals you could put the jack-o-lantern in your foyer keep the dog the cat and more importantly the grizzly bear away from your pumpkins thanks to all of you who have listened to this wonderful season of The Throne Room with Beth Rossi. We will be trying to get some interviews and all of that good stuff. But please give my Twitter and Facebook at Throne Room DQ a like and a follow. And a, and a follow. My Facebook is Throne Room Podcast. At Throne Room Podcast is my Facebook uh, fan-like page. The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi fans group page has been created by my page, The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi. And if you'd like to join the group, just message me personally on my personal page. And 
I have sent invitations to those who've already liked my throne room page, but I need to make sure that the throne room page has more people. I need to put, I think I need to just put my personal page in the group so that I can see what you guys are posting. I have to approve all posts because of the possibility of online abuse. And if I see one problem with a, I may eventually have mods and admins, depending on how this thing grows. But, you know, I might have my partner look at some of the posts, you know. It's gonna be fun, but you need to make it that way. There are some be kind and courteous, no spammo links. The only links I'll allow in my group, I know it says no spamming and links and irrelevant links, but if you find something and you like the article, you find something and it's a, it's a news article or something that you want me to analyze, or if there's something that someone wrote in a blog, or if there's some making a difference thing, I'm going to talk about it. So thanks all of you and have a great and blessed week. Halloween to everybody. A little early, but better earlier than never. So I'm going to show you guys how to do a community search for sex offenders, especially in my zip code. The reason why I'm doing this demo is so that you guys know that there is information out there for your own neighborhoods and you can use your own zip code to search for sex offenders. This is an important tool and skill that you need to do as a parent. Also, I'm going to discuss Halloween. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to open up my Safari on my Mac. I had to change the voice because I had a British voice on there and some of you might not understand. Kate. So my partner over there is snoring in the background. Unfortunately, I cannot get him to wake up. So, I'm going to go to Safari. Now, with Safari or any other web thingy, make sure you know the command to get into your address bar. For example, Command L gets me here. So, and then I'm going to put sex offenders in my zip code. I'm going to look here and I'm going to show you guys what I find. Here we go. Kidslivesafe.com just popped up at the very top. That's my ad. There are many different websites that you can use to search your sex offenders in your neighborhood. And there's another website, Goa. Hold on a second. Goa.com. 
There's a public sex offender search on all these different websites. Peoplewiz.com, I think, also has that. Tracking Trumpfinder something.com. This one would be better for a name search. So if you need a name search, for instance, you know this neighbor that keeps pop knobbing around your kids. You want to find out who this neighbor is. That's when you do the name search. You can also do the name search when you're searching for a new piano teacher or karate trainer or anything else for your child. And this is not just Halloween, okay? CityData.com has the sex offender registry, so if you click there, you might find a list right there. Okay, denvergov.org has a sex offenders link that you can look up sex offenders in the city and county of Denver. So that there is just a small sample of what you can do with a sex offender search. This way your kids do not have to suffer the scare that is being sexually abused or sexually lured into their home. Sex offenders by law cannot have their lights on during Halloween. They cannot have any Halloween decorations. They can't take part in the Halloween festivities. If you feel that your neighborhood is way too unsafe, you don't want your kid wandering around outside by themselves, even if you're there. And this is something I would even tell the blind and sighted parents alike. You can do Halloween alternatives at your local community center. For example, in Camp Verde's, um, the church in Camp Verde, Arizona, and oddly enough, my church in Golden, Colorado, they have what's called a trunk or treat, which is a safe opportunity for you to go to the parking lot and then you just nab candy from people and you have fun activities. You dress up in your costume. Shoot, I don't even have a costume. What should I be for Halloween this year? I want you guys, I want you guys to try to give me an answer, but I may end up becoming Princess Leia. Only thing is, I don't think I have enough hair for both the buns, so I'm gonna just have my hair long or in a braid, the way Leia had at the end of the episode, and then dress up in, I don't even know if I want to wear a white gown, or do I want to be Queen Amidala? I have no clue. But I do like wearing crowns on my head. Hey, I should be the queen, not the princess. And I'm not being mean to Princess Leia. Anyway, guys, happy Halloween, and I hope that you all have a safe and fun Halloween. Just remember the tips I told you about sex offenders, and keep your kids safe. And if you're doing trick-or-treat in the residential area where you live, tell your children to go to the houses where there's Halloween sounds and lights. And for the blind parents and the parents of blind children, I'd recommend that you get the neighbors on board. Tell them to put Halloween sounds. If they can do Halloween, don't just, you know, have pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns out on the doorstep with a candle. Oh, and don't feed the wildlife either. But tell your neighbors 
to put Halloween sounds, if they're allowed, at their houses. So, and then tell your blind child, listen for the Halloween haunting melodies and the weird ghosts and all the fun stuff, and then knock on the door. Then they will give you candy. If you do not feel that this is a safe alternative to whatever the heck you do every year, please consider doing a trunk or treat or some kind of Halloween harvest alternative in your neighborhood. Whether it's at a community Baptist church or the UU church in Golden or anywhere else, um, and for those of you in the Colorado areas, if you're in Golden or Jeffco or wherever, um, please make sure, make for darn sure that you have some kind of way to do trunk or treat. It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. Maybe I should record some audio from trunk or treat because I want to give you guys a happy Halloween to remember. Anyway, happy Halloween, everybody, and have a great rest of your month of October. I will be putting some scary ghost stories up on my next... I want to talk a little bit about St. Augustine in the next episode.